Hey everybody, I hope you're doing good this week. Man, time is flying. I can't believe that the summer is already coming to an end. Kids are back in school, colleges are opened. Um, it is, uh, it's crazy. I just can't believe how fast it goes. The busier you get, the faster the time starts flying by. Um, this summer has been good. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great summer and, um, the podcast is moving along. I can't believe it. We're already on episode 23. Um, the guest on my podcast this week is Stefan Hubner. And Stefan is co-owner of Dot 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 in Charlotte, and Dot 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 is a, uh, you know, I think it is one of my most favorite places um, to have a cocktail. They have fantastic cocktails. The atmosphere is really unique, um, and it's kind of that. It has that speakeasy vibe to it. Um, you have to be a member. You check in down this dark hallway and it opens up into a really eclectic um, bar and cocktail lounge. Um, and they started this uh, four years ago um, and it was just a thought and how were they were going to do it. And it's really cool that the space that they found was this storage area space in the back of a hardware store and they turned it into this cocktail bar and in his 20s Stefan used to travel around he was a musician so he went around and he's been in many different bars and lounges and areas and while he was doing that he was taking note at what makes some of these bars or lounges special and he made mental notes as he was going on and when he created dot 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 he took all those years of experiences and mental notes and made it to what it is today. And what I really like about the place is be, it's very inviting from the doorman to the time that you walk in and pay your bill. Um, the conversations are great. They're sincere. People actually are there to help you you know, discover, maybe you're going to discover a new type of bourbon or a new cocktail, and they're going to help you along the way, and they're not going to make you feel stupid. And that is one of the things that I really like about it. Um, he was a great guy to sit down and talk to and pick his brain. Super inviting. Um, sit back, get yourself uh, something to drink, a little, maybe a cocktail of your own or a cup of coffee, whatever you like. And I hope that you enjoy the, the show, Stefan Hubner, and I'll see you next week. are you doing fantastic man glad to be here today yeah thanks for sitting down with me so we're just going to hang out and have a really good conversation kind of talk about you and your life and coming up and the music world and the bartending world and now the entrepreneurship world the world and um have a good little conversation um so you guys are coming up on four years. Four years. Uh, you know, the COVID year was the the hard year out of it. Uh, you know, November, uh, probably November of of sixteen, 
Conrad Hunter, my partner, and I started talking about really getting together and doing a cocktail bar. Uh, Charlotte didn't have one at the time. There were some great cocktails coming out of the restaurant scene, but there wasn't anything that was spirit-focused. And, uh, you know, I just got a basically a Facebook messenger post from Conrad one morning at like 3 in the morning. He'd been in the hammock all night drinking wine. Everything was spelled wrong, and he was just like, <laughs> we're going to go look at spaces or not. Because at the time, I was kind of dealing with some other guys possibly opening something. And in that group, like, I was like the voice of reason and the wild card is more my, uh, my role. Okay. Uh, and so Conrad, you know, owning Foxcroft wine company already had like a good set of bones and, and structure at the business level where we could just kind of come in and put a new skin around those pre pre-existing bones. Um, we went, looked at a couple spaces. Uh, our landlord showed us Eden's, uh, Eden's our landlord. They showed us, the uh where the flower shop is now right across the parking lot fantastic space but you know patio all glass front doesn't really scream cocktail bar slash speakeasy i topped conrad i was like hey man uh they don't get what we're trying to do like they had shown us everything the other spaces looked exactly the same and Conrad just kind of blurted out, we want something over there by the dumpster. What are behind those doors? And this was dot was actually the storage unit for the shopping center for 64 years. It had never been leased. It was a it had a rubber bumper 18-wheeler loading dock. It was absolutely terrifying inside. It was a cinder block bunker that looked like the basement of the pawn shop in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It was really just like chicken wire cages, a string of Christmas lights. I know. I saw some pictures of it when yeah. you guys were kind of standing in the space before it was <laughs> the space. developed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just kind of was like, wow, this is, uh, I looked at him. I was like, this is it. Because, you know, we had the zip code we wanted to be in. We could create the vibe. Um, within 30 minutes of looking at the space, Conrad and I were at Rock Salt eating oysters, drinking rosé, and I drew the whole thing on a BevNap. Nice. I knew exactly what it was going to look like. I had the vision, kind of saw it. We brought a, a, a kind of designer in late to help us with some light fixtures and some wallpaper. But the actual bones of the building, how it was going to look, was done that day. Was you. You, yeah, you I mean, did this. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's a lot nicer than I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I am a, I'm a pretty blue-collar, middle-of-the-road kind of guy, and, you know, you know, for you guys who've been in here, you know, we're we're pretty fucking fancy. Yeah. I mean, this is, <laughs> you know, it's uh, we got some swank and some sex appeal to yeah. it. And, you know, uh, bringing in the designer definitely made it a little less masculine. Like the way I had it looked really like men's clubby, like old 50s style. And what she did really like loosened it up and made it a lot more, you know, unisex, like women can feel comfortable in here, too. And yeah. it was like so 100 percent for that, you know, because I my. And that's not what I wanted, like, to be a men's club, but it's just kind of all I knew. Yeah. You know, I wanted that big, like, kind of steakhouse feel. But she, um, Elizabeth, came in and really tightened up and really, uh, like, made it a lot more universal. But it fits. It, it fits exactly what you guys were going for. Because I remember my first time standing outside. There's a doorman. The doorman checks you in, opens the door, and then you come down that dark hallway to the door and then somebody else lets you in and then all of a sudden you're in this awesome space and i think i think this place is fan it's awesome yeah i mean it's it's pretty awesome to be sitting behind the bar and you see people when they walk in the door for the first time and they're just like 
whoa, yeah. was, was, wasn't expecting that. Like, yeah. you know, you know, that, and that hallway kind of leads you to that. Like, am I about to lose a kidney? Like, am I going to wake up in a bathtub full of ice? Like, yeah. you don't really know where you're going the first time. And then you walk into the space and then you're just like, wow. And you know, the, those immediate things that, you know, I talked on day one with Conrad. It was like red high back leather booths, you know, tufted wall of books, wall of booze, you know, just like really dim lighting, really just, you know, draws you in, a, you know, a bar that, you know, excites you and brings back that long lost art of bar conversation, you know, no TVs in here, you know, it's like, yep. you know, pre COVID, like if we saw you on your phone, we'd yeah, be like, you didn't even like phones. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were just like, we wouldn't say you got to get off your phone, right. but we would like, I'd just come up and start talking to you. You know, and like, what are you going to do? Keep being on your phone. You're just going to be like, oh, and you'd put your phone away. You know, now, you know, post COVID, you're just like, the first thing we ask you to do is pull out your phone to, you know, pop the menu open, you know, and because we're in this, you know, post post COVID world, you know, but, you know, as much as I'd like to get back to like, you know, being off the phone a little bit, you know, because it just it feels great to just unplug for a while. You know, if you can be in here for two hours and not have to look at your phone like, oh, the world's still going on outside but i don't have to be a part of it just right now but um you know the the qr codes that's something you're going to see in our industry from this point on yeah you're it's just that's the new menu um you know and then we rolled into through year one super busy gardening guns best new bars of the south uh that was a huge accolade for us you know 20 they named 20 bars in the country and we were one of them all right um you know we you know, have won four years straight best cocktail bar, you know, for Charlotte, Bob Award after Bob Award. I've won a bunch of personal awards, you know, but the most important thing is our staff here. I mean, I have five employees who have been with me since day one, four years, you know, and we had two more uh, pre-COVID that we just lost to the industry. You know, um, there's a big plight in our industry right now. Everybody's short-staffed and everything's in. That comes from you gave people who, in our industry who always said, if I just had a little bit of time, I would go do this. Well, they had a year to go do it, and we probably lost 15% of the industry. Okay. You know, it's there's like people are like, oh, they're sitting at home on unemployment. No, they're not. They are gone. They just they're found just something gone. else. They're coding. They're, they're graphic designers. They're, you know, they're doing this. They've started their own business. Like, you know, these are just people in our industry who are notoriously known for working hard. Yeah. And you gave them a little bit of time and you put their backs against the wall and they hustled and worked and they just left the industry. Okay. You know, so, but, you know, going back to us, you know, I'm super happy with everybody we have. I mean, we've just hired a couple of new people that are, are going to just fit into our culture and our team so well um, that I don't think anybody's going to even miss a beat, you know? No. And, you know, I, as a as an industry as a owner, I knew I would never have anybody for the length of my lease. You know, yeah. some people are the people who get you from A to B. Some people hopefully get you from A to C or D or E. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, we've got a really good crew and really happy to just have everybody who's here. And you know, that goes for the guests too. I mean, I, I think we have the best guests in the city. You know, they they are definitely a little. Uh, on the more educated side of spirits and food, which yeah. is great to be around because, you know, uh, it's a little less teaching and a, a little more just service, and yeah. which is which is all pretty cool. That was one thing when I first came here. So you, when I walk in the door, you're thinking you get a little intimidated. 
Like, oh my God, you know, there's so many whiskeys up there and I don't know, you know, everything about it. And I sat at the bar and I remember, so my first drink was the hot box because it, yes. it was delicious. And, but you took the time, you know, to, and you weren't even our server. We were just sitting at the bar and then you came over and you're like, Hey, try this and, and then try this whiskey. And, and you, it was very welcoming. This place is very welcoming and, um, people need to kind of know that. That is, you know, honestly, the, the thing we, we talk about as a staff a lot, you know, day of the internet, man, you can find a recipe and you can make this cocktail at home. But you can't have somebody who's taken the time to learn the history of the cocktail and everything else that goes along with it and why it was made that way. You know, you can get that end product, but you can't really get the who, what, where and when Mm -hmm. of it. And that's what something we pride ourselves a lot on is our continuing education, just the kind of constant knowledge of uh, and that we all want to take in. Like everybody here is just like an avid learner. Mm -hmm. And when you become an avid learner, once you're comfortable learning you become an avid teacher and mentor. And, you know, that was like kind of one of the things that was really weird uh, for me because, you know, everybody's like, you know, a lot of people throw a word, the word best around, not the best. The person who's been doing it the longest, that's me. Yeah. I, I've been doing craft cocktails since about 07, 08. And, you know, that was at the height of like bottle service and club life and every, like, I was like, Man, I'm about to hit 30. That is a young man's game. I want no part of that. So I just started getting it. I saw in other markets that craft cocktails and, you know, higher end distillates and and just that whole culture of was starting to happen. I got lucky in 08. I won Bombay Sapphire's most inspired for the region, came in top 10 for the, you know, for the country, got to go out to Vegas and compete. And it was like I met people at that time that were in New York, L.A., Houston, Chicago that were so far ahead of me that it was just like, oh, I've got to play catch up. And I just threw in threw myself into it, read everything I could read. You know, they were just starting to become like spirit blogs and it's stuff on the internet. So you'd be digging every day. Like, did somebody post this? Oh, and New York times did an article about the history of the old fashioned or, and you just take it, take it all in. Okay. Yeah. You know, now that reference book on the internet is, is decades long. Yeah. You know, there's just so much information about everything, you know, but back then it was like, there were 10 cocktail books to read. Like, and, but what was cool though, being part of that community, then I know all the OGs, like personally, like I know Dale DeGroff and I know like Charles Jolie and like all these big name people that like the kids coming up to now, like to them, they almost seem unattainable, uh, you know, because, but I was just there early. Yeah. I wasn't great. I was just there. I was that kid in the room that was just lucky to be there taking it all in and under had, had the, the foresight to see that this is what was coming. Okay. You know, like flavored vodka is about to go away and whiskey's going to come in and rums are going to come in. And, you know, and then being early in a part of that made you part of that beginning culture where I got to be in those rooms with those people. And so I always said, I was like, wasn't in the first wave. Mm-hmm. I was kind of ahead on the, on the second wave. You know, now we're probably on like the fourth. Yeah. But that sets you apart from people that 
look at um, tending bar as a job. Yeah. If you mix, 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 serve, you had a vision that it was a career. Correct. You know, and and then kind of took that. When you first started, did you feel like you, did you love it from the beginning? Like, I did. I, I, I always liked being behind the bar, but the, it started, now we can kind of go to that beginning part. You know, I started as a chef. I went to culinary school, graduated culinary school, went and, you know, ran a few restaurant chains for, for a little bit, did some crazy stuff early on, uh, you know, at 21 was running a $5 million restaurant. It was like completely in over my head, had no idea. I was completely just faking it till I made it. Um, and then the music bug hit Yeah, and uh, started playing music. I, you know, and then with music, you know, there's always jokes that like you can go walk into any kitchen and create a band between all the line cooks. Um, and it's going to sound like either tool or sublime. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, at that time, I we got pretty popular pretty fast and we were touring pretty relentlessly. You can't work a back of the house job and and go do that because they need you there. You have to be there. But hey, man, you can bartend and your schedule's flexible and like. I was working for some guys to be like, I'm going to be gone for five weeks. Do I have a job when I come back? They're like, you're a great employee. Yes, you will. Sure. And so those, those times of being in a band did a lot for my hospitality life. It, a, it made me realize that yes, working behind a bar is really, really hard, but it's nothing like being a touring musician. Yeah. Uh, that's the hardest job I've ever had. Um, you know, just the sheer travel, the lack of sleep, the showing up and realizing that like nobody knew you were even going to be there that day. Um, those those gigs were tough. We had some great ones, man. We did some great tours and played with some great people. Were you music? Was that part of your life growing up? No, man. It, it came really late in life. Like I got my first guitar when I was like 19. Okay. And then I started playing keyboards in this band and never played keyboards before I was in the band. I literally learned how to do it to be in the band I was in. And that was a band that you guys toured? Yeah, and we toured like crazy. Literally, it was, I was fortunate. I was the least talented person in our band, but I would say that I was probably the hardest working guy in our band. I I was like the tour manager slash merch guy slash I did everything else. I, I was the logistics guy. I made sure we were always there. Our gear was always like I I had that hustle from the get go. Together. Um, you know, and I was in a band with a lot of artists. And I mean, I consider myself an artist, too, but I have a lot better being German. I have a lot better structure. <laughs> uh, I was raised with a lot of structure, like and and being on time and being like very focused and always having like knowing who, what, where and when and knowing the people in the room kind of thing. That was always my my strong point yeah. still is to this day. What was the name of the band? Newt. N-U-T-E. Okay. Hard rock and a borderline industrial. We got to play with bands like Buck Cherry and like Stratting Westward Gravity Kills. Like all that 90s electro yeah. rock stuff. We did all that. It was, okay. a, it was a great way to spend my 20s. Oh my great gosh. way. And you went, but, did you stay in the U.S.? Yeah. You tour? All the, but I mean, we played CBGBs. We played, you know, in L.A. We played in Seattle and Chicago and New York. Uh, you know, played played all the big rooms. You know, mostly New Orleans to DC and okay. Chicago, like that arc. But you know, got to play a lot. You know, make it to Detroit. Oh yeah, man, Magic yeah. Stick. Magic Stick. <laughs> you wouldn't imagine <laughs> if you can remember the Magic Stick. That's kind of when you know our music scene 
in, in Detroit was. And we would go to, and I've told this story a million times to people, but you'd go to Detroit and a magic stick was off Woodward and it was there were no lights. And there was a restaurant across the street and then there was magic stick. We'd eat, we'd hustle across the street, we'd watch the band, and then we'd hustle across and grab our car and get the <laughs> hell out of there. But now there's trolley cars that yeah. go up and down Woodward. It's all lit up. <laughs> magic stick. That was yeah, great. Man. The trash brats. That's who we used to play with there. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, so the, uh, you know, and that rolled into, you know, I did probably 800 shows. And you get to see a lot of different bars and a lot of different styles of hospitality while playing music, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, oh, this works and that doesn't work. And, you know, you, you see that, you know, from a live music kind of, special events kind of a vibe and you know here at dot we you know we are a restaurant and a bar but you know we are also sometimes somebody's special event like it's their anniversary or it's that so you want to make people feel special and that kind of came out of that hospitality side but that's also where my personality from behind the bar kind of comes from it's like you're always on stage you know being behind the bar you're on stage you're entertained you're not just you know, especially some place like Dot, we're not just making you a drink and leaving you at your Wii. You know, we're, we're having conversations with you. We're explaining you history. We're explaining you, like, you know, a lot of times Charlotte history. You know, you have people who've just moved here and they don't know anything. And this might be the first place they've, they, you know, they popped on the Internet and was like, best bar. That's where I want to go. And, you know, this might be the first place they go. And the first thing they want to know is, like, where do we go eat? You know, like, so you got to be on top of knowing where all the best restaurants are yeah. and where, you know, always, everybody always asks, where do we go have drinks? Yeah. And, you know, it's those kind of questions. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, we also think of ourselves as ambassadors to the city. Yeah. You know, and because a lot of times we are, you know, people in from out of town, they're visiting, they're traveling through, you know, or they just moved here. So. Right. Well, you've been... You've been in Charlotte for 26 years? Yeah, a little, maybe even 27 now. 27, came from Jersey? Yep. You love it here? Take a jackhammer to get me out of here. Uh, it's so easy, to, so easy to live here. You know, and this is somebody who, you know, the best part about Charlotte is, you know, everybody slams our airport. Our airport's great. I can be anywhere in four hours. It's, yeah. you know, it's fantastic. There's a direct flight to almost everywhere. It's not the cheapest, but it's the easiest. Right. You know, I have probably in my life done seven or eight day trips to new york i'll I'll work an event i'll fly in that morning work an event in new york that night and then like literally take the 4 a.m new york flight back home yeah like literally just play through i went uh in 19 i literally used points and went saw nine inch nails in vegas i was boots on the ground for like 20 hours (laughs) you know it's like like that, like those kind of things. It's like what we do kind of lack in like museum culture and, and, you know, maybe like historical culture, like say like a city like Chicago or New York or even Charleston has. We, you know, we're in New City. Charlotte was, it was the town of New York, uh, the town of Charlotte till like 1980. Mm-hmm. You know, so, we, you know, we're basically a toddler as far as cities go, um, history wise. But, you know, it's, you know, until just recently, it's been really cheap to live here. It's been, you know, the food and drink has been great. I mean, when I moved here, it was like 330,000 people. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so, 
And the only thing consistent, I-77 has been under construction the whole time. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, you know, the orange construction barrel has been everywhere. Oh, I remember. So we're going back to a little bit on the COVID thing. And whose idea was it to come up with the the made to order the mixer bag? Oh, come the, the cocktail kits? Yeah. That, that was just something that we knew early on that everybody was going to kind of start doing. And I let the market go out and see how people were going to react to it and how people were going to do packaging. Like, and I, you would see just like core containers with blue tape on it. And I'm yeah. like, that is not on brand for dot. You know, if we're going to do this, if we're going to take the time to leave our houses in the middle of a pandemic and do this, we're going to do it the right way. And, you know, ours were a little pricier, but yeah, beautiful packaging. All you had to do was buy a fifth of booze and you had 15 cocktails. Yep. And, you know, then a little later on, we got uh, some of our brand people uh, who we buy our boot, like our, who rep alcoholic. So that we would get Tito's gave us like 200 copper mugs. And then like Zaya rum gave us like a hundred tiki mugs and so we would just start adding those into the kits to give them uh, you know a little bit of value too you know because we were getting the requests from our our regulars and our guests who were like i'm tired you know we're six weeks in and i'm already tired of drinking one and ones like yeah. jack and coke so we're like we want a, a good craft cocktail that we can make at home you know by july we were doing about 300 kits a week uh, yeah it was it was it was there were five of us working almost full time just to keep that production going. You know, was it going to save the business? No, but more than anything, it gave the five of us like, wow, I know what day it is now. Yeah. You like there was a schedule to be on and things that had to be done and like a sense of, you know, you know, I, I literally spent the first month of COVID like deep depression, didn't know what was going to happen. The world was on fire, yeah. didn't leave my house. I went from being the cool three-day-a-week dad to the seven-day-a-week dad because uh, my daughter's mom is a respiratory therapist in the COVID unit. So, you know, so every time I thought I had a bad, I just looked over at her, and I was just like, well, I I, it. I, it, okay. it, it ain't that bad. You know, yeah. she, you know, she's seeing death every day, and I'm, like, I'm just here complaining that my bar isn't open. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I think this year also will be the coolest year to look back at for my daughter and me. Like, just, like, we had that. You had, you know, a lot we had of time. seven months that we like, you know, I got to spend New Year's Eve with her. Like yeah. that's I'm in the bar business. That doesn't happen. So, so that'll be like the one thing I like I'll take out of there. It's like, yeah, remember the year we got to spend together? Yeah. Well, that's funny because one of the things with um the the whole podcast is it is people get to a certain place, but it's not without cost, right? Without and, doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, you're putting in hours here. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. You're putting in hours here. You work till late. You're working on the weekends. New Year's Eve, you didn't get to spend time with your kids. And then you were able to. And it was like, those are the opportunities that, you know, people are like, Stefan, he's so lucky, man. He killed it. He crushed it. But it was years. It was years in the making and years of giving things up. And, yeah. And my wife works. I work. And we were just talking about it yesterday when we were home and COVID and we had both of our kids there and we were playing games. It was amazing how the world kind of changed. And you'd look in the neighborhood and families would be out with their kids and riding bikes. And, and then once it started 
going back to normal, all of a sudden the streets are empty again. You know, and it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer. You know, um, I think we'll there'll be certain things we'll definitely take out of COVID as family life. Like, you know, the big thing, my daughter, we, we have a meal together every day. You know, like that's a, like, you know, we, you know, she might, I might yell at her all day to get off her phone or get off, you know, get off the internet. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's that hour we're sitting down having dinner yeah. and we get to talk and, and really see what's going on. Uh, you know, it was it was weird becoming a seventh grade math teacher oh, oh, uh, uh, this year. That was a little tough. Uh, I, I applaud you. Uh, I will say that uh, new math that can go kick rocks. Uh, we're, my family carries the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, man, you know, it's just uh, those kind of things uh, for as much bad that ca- happened with it. There's been a lot of good that that came out of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are. You said you're getting pretty much back. Yeah, man. Um, swing. You know, we, you know, for those who went to, came to DOP pre-COVID, you know, how we always joke that this was the, also kind of the bar you might break up somebody with at because you were sitting next to somebody you didn't know. We Seats were really, really tight and you got to know your neighbor pretty quick in here. Um, you know, we've left out about four or five tables. We still got it. So we're probably about 85% occupancy, still a little space at the bar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're going to hold on to that till July. Um, and then we'll probably add some more bar seats and maybe another table. But, uh, you know, right now we're, you know, we're getting almost back to a hundred percent. We're probably at about 85%. Um, I think we'll see a big slowdown in the next couple of weeks just because everybody leaves Charlotte. And it's going to be their first opportunity to get on an airplane and go see family and mm-hmm. go put their toes in the sand and, and go do that. You know, Charlotte's not a market where people come to visit. It's a place where they live and then they go other places. So, you know, the other 10 months out of the year, it's fantastic. But those two summer months are a little tough. But I think, you know, by September, people are going to be raring to go. Yeah. You know, uh, I think everything will kind of worked itself out a little bit. People have – it's pretty shocking how comfortable people got as soon as the vaccine got out there, man. You know, everybody's like – yeah, we have a lot of our clientele's in their 50s, and they're like, got double shots. We're ready to drink. We're ready to go out. We are so happy. Yeah. You know, and big – like things that I never thought of that were so big were like people – like, and I heard it probably 30 times. This is the first bar we've went to since we come out. We've been waiting for a year to come back. Uh, and you don't realize how big of a, like, feel, like, important of to a community you are. Yeah. I mean, we've had four people get proposed to in here. We've had, like, we have so many, like, there's a guy who came in who has a dot, dot, dot tattoo to recognize his first date with his wife. Oh, my God. I was just like. Like those kind of things, you're like you don't realize that sometimes the effect you have on people at the moment when you're just like, and it's not like I that guy with the tattoo. I didn't even I didn't know him from Jesus, man. Yeah. I was just like, just it was a normal day. I did a had him a great time, and you know, and now they we see them once a month, yeah. you know, and they're like, this is our date spot, you know. Well, that was you know that was the impact, and I'm telling you that was the impact that you guys had on us. And do we come in here, you know, monthly? No, because it's a little bit of a of a drive. But this is where we think about, and when we come, and it's because of that. And that's very important. Um, 
for you guys to realize that and that and I think that that shows how much of a success that you guys have had in such a short period of time, four years, that people that you, you've won all those awards and people are coming back and people couldn't wait to come back. It's, it's what you guys created. You know? Yeah. And you know, that, that just comes from like just a level and sense of like true hospitality. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I, we're firm believers that if you, if we do what we do the way we were trained to do it, and treat people with respect, the money follows. Like, you know, because when people go out to other places, they're not getting that all the time. Yeah. And in here, you know, it's it's basically a requirement. Like, you know, we have we have two rules here. Don't be a dick and don't be the reason we have to make a rule. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and like, and you know, we're four years in and there's still only two rules. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, the the other stuff is just being respectful of like being not be a dick like don't be a dick being on time is not being a dick you know doing the little things is not being a dick. dick leaving the place better than you found it is not being a dick and like those are like a very just like kind of important mantra for here you know and then i never really thought of it as this before but andrew one of the guys who's worked for me for years was training one of the new people and it was explaining to him, like, hey, man, you know, this isn't just a job. Like, this is the job that is going to get you your next job. And this is the job that's going to get you the opportunities to go do all these things. Like, on my staff, I have, like, all these guys that get to go to Portland Cocktail Week paid for to teach a class. Or they get to go to New York or go to Kentucky or become, like, just became one of uh one of the 50 people this year who are whiskey and stave or uh, stave and thief, like whiskey ambassador. Like, you know, that's, it's basically like being a whiskey Psalm. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's like, you know, so you have all these different opportunities by working here, open up because the, because of the work I've done in the past to create this place that now allows them as being employees of us to get to try to get do new stuff. And it's just like, and I'll never tell them no. I'm like, go, we'll get it. We'll get your shifts covered. We'll figure it out. Go, you know, because you're going to come back smarter and more educated and then make my business better because of it. Right. We're, a, we're, we're a, a big proponent of further education. You know, if we're not learning, you know, you're dying. So mm -hmm. it's just like, and there's, there's enough young little bucks out there trying to nip at the heels every day. So, you know, you just got to constantly be, at keep the pushing. Yeah. You, you know, uh, we use the uh, kind of a, a Red Bull mantra here. It's like you can be the first and best, or you can be one of the other hundred behind you. You know, and we were first, and we've been best for pretty long, and we're we're keeping pushing to be that. Yeah. When you brought in your staff, did you recruit in your staff, or did people know that you were doing something? Kind of reach out. Uh, combination to you? of both. Um, Andrew, who's worked for me for fourteen years at four different bars. Um, his sole reason he's here is to make sure I don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Um, he is the voice of reason. He's one of the few people and he did it from very early on. That it was like, Stefan, that's a dumb idea. Don't do that. And, you know, in a world of where people are driven by ego and yes, men and all that, it's really, really important to have somebody around you that will check you when you need to be checked. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because I had yes men right in my mind. 
and people that want to succeed and get better, they don't need a yes man. They want a, it was good, but it could be, it could or, be better. Or that's stupid. No, yeah. pass. Um, you know, and then we had like, I, I look at a staff as a cake recipe. If everybody's sugar, it's going to be horrible. If everybody's flour, it's horrible. So everybody kind of has to have a role. And so it's about putting the best role players kind of together. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you have a, a, you know, you could put LeBron Curry and all those guys and they probably wouldn't win, mm. you know, but you, you need your, you need your Scotty Pippins in the world, you know, yeah. yep. and uh, role players are, are super important, especially at our level of like doing what we do. It's like, Hey, there might be like, Brit knows agave really, really well. And I know rum and whiskey really, really well. And, you know, uh, Andrew knows gin really, really well. So it's like everybody can kind of, if I don't have the answer, I can just look over at my partner and be like, hey, talk to them. And, you know, and I have that too in the vein of like, you know, I'm not a big sports guy, you know? And it's like, so if there's a bunch of dudes who just want to talk about sports shove one of the other guys in it you know but you want to talk about art and music i'm your guy you know and we try to balance the bar like even by the shift like that we always like to have like a guy and a girl at the same time and because you have you know you're gonna have people in here who might be on a first date and if you know the bartender's attractive they they might feel awkward or you know so it's just like having that balance and that and that uh the ability to make the guest feel comfortable yeah. By just who's behind the bar. Yeah, that's such a that such a good way to think about it. Like you, there's a lot of science in the bar business uh, that people don't talk about, and yeah. that are just like these little hidden secrets in yeah. the in the bar and restaurant. And you learn that after twenty to, plus yeah, years. Exactly. How did you survive? So you went from a fast paced industry, you know, as running a restaurant to a fast paced industry of music world to another fast paced industry of the bar business. And how did you survive for so many years? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, not a lot of sleep, um, a pretty horrible diet. Um, everything, all that stuff has changed. Like in the last five years I've started, I, I draw, I put on some weight during COVID and I've lost about 60 Okay. Uh, walk every day. It really, the, more than the health aspects of the walking, it's been really good for my mental disposition. Um, I try not to eat late at night anymore. Uh, you know, just those times of, you know, that 4 a.m., you know, it, it was really crazy. It was like, you know, my Cosmos days while I was playing music, I just finished that. And then, so like 2004 to 2010, you know, get done at four in the morning. My daughter was born in 07. You know, so I had three years of like going to bed at four and waking up at six and then doing it all over again for about three years. And those were the years I don't know how I made it. Like I just didn't sleep. Yeah. Um, and then I did my time at Heist, which was pretty good. There was a little bit of work-life balance there. The problem I had with that was the second I had work-life balance, I filled it with every brand traveling I could do. I'd like, oh, I'm going to be in a rum commercial in Puerto Rico. I'm going to bartend on a glacier in Iceland. Like I was like every time a, a brand company would be like, hey, we want you to do this event. Cool. I'll go to New okay. Orleans for a week and do Tales of the Cocktail. I'll go to Kentucky and do Camp Runamuck, which is like a whiskey camp 
for, you know, for bartenders, you know, it's just like insane. Like I would just, my mom at one point looked at me and was like, do you still bartend? Like, like I'd still be bartending 40 hours a week, but I'd be traveling. Those were the times I like fly to New York to work an event and fly home. Like just do crazy stuff. Like any, any opportunity. I was like, because Bob Peters and I always have this conversation. Bob's another great bartender here in town, you know, and he's got great accolades also. And people always ask us, like, how, how did you get where you are? Like, everybody thinks there's a, 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 a easy thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. show up. Just show up. Do what you say you're going to do. And your phone will keep ringing. Yeah. You know, the second you make it hard, yourself hard to work with, the phone stops ringing. The second you tell somebody, no, I can't do this event right now. I've got this. They probably don't call again. So what I realized was like during those Cosmos days and heist days, I was saying yes all the time. So it just that momentum goes and everything kind of keeps going and you keep getting work. Then I had to then I opened dot and I was like, I had to pump the brakes for a little bit. But then it was like by like 18 months, two years, I was just like, OK, ship's kind of running itself. Let's go start saying yes again to everything. And then I was saying yes to everything and everything was moving again. And then COVID happened. Uh, and then so, you know, kind of pumped the brakes with that. You know, the whole industry just stopped. You know, but I, uh, I think I've got a good enough crew that like once things get rolling again, I'll be out and about in market and probably helping doing some brand work, which is I really enjoy because it's like this the dot can sometimes be like making the donuts. You know, you're just, you're doing the same thing, you know, trying to keep it fresh. You know, the, the menu is constantly changing, but you know, it's in four walls with no windows. So the walls seem to close in sometimes, you know, yeah. so if I can get out and do things, it keeps when I come back in fresher. You just seem to have that personality where you gotta, you gotta keep. Moving. I do. You know, I, uh, you know, if, you know, if the great white shark doesn't swim, it dies, you know, yeah. it, it's, uh, Maybe that's how you made it through 20 yeah, years. You know, I, I, that's kind of part of it. The, the, the always having something on the calendar that you have to get yeah. to kind of keeps you moving. Yeah. That's what I like about with the podcast and going into the real estate business. I, a, a buddy of mine was like, you got to start a podcast and I don't want to start a podcast about real estate. And I was like, well, I like people like you and i like listening to your story and getting your story so but that keeps it fresh and i get to meet new people and you got to keep it fresh because life just keeps going and going and going and if you're doing the same thing you're putting the widget and the widget and the widget and the widget it's no fun and you don't grow um but this is this is great i'm glad to hear that that's working out yeah you know and i mean there's going to be other bars in the future there's going to be other things to do but you know I'm also looking, you know, at 47 years old now, I'm looking like, what's, what's 10, 12 years look like now? I was like, you know what that looks like? That looks like my toes in the sand in Rincon, mm -hmm. Puerto Rico, maybe a shipping container bar, <laughs> watching people surf every day, yeah. you know, watching the sun fall into the ocean. So what do you, you went from um, working at, did you go from heist to here? Yes. So working the bar over at heist and working for somebody to now owning your place do you do you like yeah the i mean ownership you know, okay there's like i've kind of been quoted about it a, a lot of times you know i don't mind mopping the floor but it feels a lot better to mop my own floor mm -hmm. and my staff makes fun of me every saturday night i mop the floor and it's just my thing um i mop it and i know that as soon as we're done mopping we can have that shift beer and we can have that shot and the night's over and the week's over and that when I walk in here on Tuesday, floor's going to look good. Everything's, it kind of, 
it closes one one line and starts the new line. Okay. And you know, and if that line isn't closed the right way, the new line doesn't start the right way. Mm. And it just the you know, and it takes five minutes, and it's just, but it, it's it's soothing and comforting for me. It's to the point like where my staff will grab the mop and hand it to me because they just they know and they like they don't they you know it's always funny because the new guy always tries to take the mop from the from the owner yep. like hey I got it boss I got it yeah. you know like nah man this, this is me is mine you know and and I, you know, part of that also falls back to they like if they if my staff sees me doing it doesn't mean I'm above doing it and that they they like they have to do it yeah and you know those are are conversations that are never had they're just implied and and understood um you know they see me take out the trash you know it's like i'll come in i'll be walking back with the trash can i'll two guests will be walking out and they're like the owner dumps their own trash i'm like yeah man that's how we work here yeah and they're like wow that's you know that's kind of you know and they, and they get that too it's like night days they'll, i'll be behind the bar and they just think i'm the bartender like somebody they don't know they're like you own the place i'm like yeah and they're like that's like 20 years ago that was the norm yeah you know, now it's all restaurant groups and conglomerates and, and that, you know, or, you know, the owners, he's got, you know, he's in a completely different industry and he just owns a restaurant, you know, but, you know, 20 years ago, everybody was, that's where the term owner operator came from, mm-hmm. you know, cause they, they were behind the bar and, you know, especially 20 years ago when everything was more cash driven, it was a way to keep an eye on everything and making sure no, nobody was stealing and nobody right. was that now it's just more of a. You know, making sure that the hospitality is right. Right. Are you um, are you here every day? Um, almost in some facet. I'm behind the bar now. Like I was almost out. I was like one day a week pre-COVID. Hmm. Uh, I was like working like Saturday nights. I would come in, but I'm here every day during the day. Okay. Uh, don't walk in the door on Sundays when we're closed. Um, but you know, there's there's in this industry, there's always something that needs to be done. There's like oh. You know, like a great example, like I had to be here early today because the alarm guy had to come in and, and fix a sensor on the door. Yeah. You know, I might be here for 20 minutes, but I still, for whatever reason, got to, there's always something to do. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give to somebody coming up in the industry? Now? Uh Become a dental hygienist. <laughs> now, um, you, you, you know, it goes back that you really have to love it. Um, I think you're going to see. COVID has opened the the, in, the industry's eyes and everybody's eyes how broken our industry kind of is. Um, we were like, you know, everybody's talking for higher wages, and I, I've been doing that since day one here. That's how I, why I have people who've worked here for five for years. Five, yeah, uh, you know, in a bar like this, the amount of money it costs to train somebody is pretty stupid. It's not like training somebody at Applebee's. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a lot more to learn. There's a lot more days to train. There's a, a lot more expensive stuff they get to try, um, you know. So I would rather pay better and retain. That's just a, a, a school I've always come from. Um, that's just you know. But those things have uh, kind of come shown forth as like, oh, you work at Shake Shack and you have to work three hours to eat a meal there. Like that's that's a broken system. Yeah. Um, you know so. A, you have to really love what you're doing here in this industry. Um, you're going to have to really 
go in, if you want to be truly successful at a high level and be someone who's maybe nationally recognized, that doesn't happen by luck anymore. That happens by hard work. That happens by being the smartest person in the room and surrounding yourselves with people who are really smart. Um, and then last, I mean, one of the things I think you're going to see in the future is the fact that the uh, industry service-wise is going to get exponentially better in about two years because everybody who is going to be in it is going to want to be here. Okay. So I think service as a whole will get exponentially better. Your 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 independent restaurants are going to succeed where the corporate chains are going to be the guys who are out on the interstates and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like I don't want to throw anybody under like, but like that Outback in Dilworth isn't going to be there in two years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You want to cut and I can tell them to quiet yeah, down. Yeah. Great okay, we're back. I won't. Um, you can fix that in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> With um, okay, fun stuff. So barware at home. What do you recommend to have on your barware at home? Uh, two brands I like a lot: uh, Charles Jolie and William uh, William Sonoma put out a, a brand line called Fortessa. They make some really really cool stuff. It's definitely pricey. Uh, that where you can definitely go on Amazon and pick up a what we use here is a brand called Pina P I N A, uh, really really good stuff. Shaker, um, mixing glass, bar spoon, muddler, strainer, and small conical strainer. That's all you need. That's it. Yep. You with the uh, so I was thinking I, I listened to a podcast you did. Um, a while back, and you were talking about the old fashions, and I make my old fashions at home, but I use sugar. Mm -hmm. Simple syrup? Yep. Simple syrup. I got to switch over to simple um, syrup. We just do simple syrup for one reason. Sugar doesn't dissolve in alcohol, so it, in your old-fashioned, it's left granular, mm -hmm. and then it gets stuck in your mustache. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, a easier way to drink, you know? And then the big the biggest trick more than anything is using a high-proof uh bourbon you know you okay. don't want you don't want to use an 80 proof because it's going to get lost in the sugar and the dilution you want something that's 90 plus that way so after you stir and it sits on ice and it dilutes it's still got a little oomph to it so a big pet peeve of mine if i order an old-fashioned from someplace and they bring it to me with a bunch of small ice cubes the worst you know i mean it, it's you just have to remember you order drinks to the bar you're in Yes, you know, and that's uh, I uh, I would never go to Tommy's Pub over on the east side and order an old fashioned. You know, yeah. I'm gonna get my beer and my shot there. You know, yeah. shout out to Jamie because you're awesome. But yeah, uh, you know, that's the it's like you know if I'm gonna go into Seoul or or Crunkleton or Idlewild, yeah, I'm gonna order an old fashioned because they're gonna do it the right way. Right. But it's like I'm probably not gonna order an old fashioned at the airport bar. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So your black Manhattans here yeah. are the bomb. Yes. The bomb. That's, uh, you know, that's just one of those great classics that we kind of brought back really early on because nobody was doing them and nobody had ever heard of them here. You know, and Amaro is still so new to our market. And, you know, so you put a Verna and they're like, I don't even know what a Verna is. And then they were like, oh, this is great. It tastes like earth, you know, yeah. and it's uh, just a great, great spirits. Okay. So, and you mentioned this already, but where, uh, where do you guys go to drink, to have a drink? <sighs> Okay, so it as someone who's in real estate, you don't go 
looking at houses on your time off, mm -hmm. you know, as guys who and girl, women who, who do cocktails all day, the last thing we want to do is do cocktails. Yep. Um, we are a definite beer and shot kind of crew behind the bar. Okay. Um, I personally, I drink at Tommy's pub, Midwood country club. Uh, I like my dive bars. Um, if I'm going to do cocktails, I do do soul gastro lounge in Plaza and I do idle wild over in Noda. Um, if I want to jump on some whiskey I maybe have never had before, I'll go see Ryan and Hunter over at, at Crunkleton. Um, but those are kind of, you know, my 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 go-to bars. So like nine times out of ten, you catch me at Tommy's. Yeah. Sitting outside. It's it's literally one of the only bars from here to my house. Um, it's just, you know, it's your typical like post-hipster dive bar, and it's just fantastic. Um, and it's it's close to the house, you know. Yeah. Good restaurants. Uh, where do I like to eat, man? I eat really ethnic. Like Tacos El Novato is probably my favorite uh, okay. little little taco place on Central Avenue by the house that like little old ladies are making tortilla shells to order. Uh, um, it's just you walk in, like white guy walks in, it's like needle across the record. It's like <laughs> they're like, huh? Yeah, it's fantastic. I do that. Um, I do like the food at Supperland. I've eaten there a couple times. It's is fantastic. it really good? It's really good. I haven't made it there yet. You know they're you know they're they got they get bashed like us for being a little expensive, but you know quality services there is fantastic. Food's great, drinks are great. Um, I like uh, I do soul a lot for for dinner. I like Eddie's place over in Cotswold breakfast all day. Like for me to be able to go get an omelet at two in the afternoon in my industry is like super important. <laughs> um, uh, Intermezzo, it's a little pizza place on Central. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, those are all, you know, big. Oh, and then like Optimus Hall, like a Poppy Queso and Harriet's Burgers and Bow and Broth. Like all those are just banging. Yeah. And I like the the fact that I can just, we, I can go in there with my daughter and like she wants ramen and I can go get a burger. Those are some of the coolest places. Like Optimus Hall is super yeah. cool. The Camp North End then, is super cool of, of what they're doing yeah. here in the Charlotte area. You know, and both those areas, you know, 10 years ago was no, five years ago was no man's land. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of, that I'm really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Camp North End over there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, they reached out to me to go do something out there. And I was just like, I don't want to wait five years, like be on a lease for five years for it to pop off. It's still a couple of years away, yep. but I think in a couple of years, it's going to be massive. I think so too. I feel like it's, it's just percolating yeah. right there because it's such an awesome concept. Yeah. It just needs to, it's percolating. It right just, need, it just needs time. Yep. And that'll be great. Um, any chance of retiring? Uh, probably not anytime no. soon. Nah, man. I think even after I retire, I'm going to be doing something. Yeah. I, I I could honestly see myself being like that 70 year old guy that works like at the bar at the Grand Bohemian or like, you know, like a really ritzy hotel bar. Yeah. Just being the old guy that has all the great stories. And like I, like I, I could just I can almost see my you know, vested up looking sharp, moving really slow, but they love me there because I've got all the stories or yeah. I know where the bodies are hidden. One of those things, you know, <laughs> you do have the, you do have the look behind the yeah. bar with the vest and the black and the white. It's, it's awesome. But, uh, man, I appreciate this too, man. This was this great. Was man. great. It was this a lot of fun. Great. All right. Have a good one. Definitely. Take care guys. Bye. Bye.